Hi guys, how are you doing? Hi, doing great. Thanks for having us on, Adam. Yeah, hey, Adam. You were just telling me you were all the way in sunny Florida just recently, right? Yeah, we just got to spend a week there and cruise the beach quite a bit. So it was a nice little break from the snow. Was that holiday vacation or were you working out there? It was a workcation. Yeah, but it's it's a good way to go since we're pretty much virtual right now. So workcation, that's a that's like the business leisure, pleasure, leisure business kind of. Is that that's a totally new word for me. So have you trademarked that or is that something that you picked we, up? From we haven't yet. Else? We should. <laughs> that's sort of our goal in life, you know, like work hard, play hard. Absolutely. I think that's the great thing right now, especially in our industry, in the events industry, especially if you're on the virtual side of things that you can, your studio, your the, the place of work, as long as it's got a good broadband connection, you can be anywhere in the world now, right? Do, mm -hmm. you, plan on, do you plan on kind of hopping around the globe and taking your work with you then? Certainly. Yeah, actually, we're planning on going to Puerto Rico next month. Um, so yeah, we're, we're pretty, you know, and our, our team is all over the world as well. So it, it works out well for us. Yeah. And, you know, since we're on the event tech talk show, want to jump right into one tip, don't forget the power of bonded internet, right? So if you're in a hotel, you think you have good internet, you can't always rely on that. So you can merge your cell connection with your ethernet connection. We always do that in a live event have our producers do that but uh, uh, that's a little easy tip for people check out speedify or other <laughs> affordable bonded internet options. I, I think that's a i think that's a great tip and if you don't mind daniel i'd just love to de delve into a that into a little bit more with with yeah. you because i think even bonded internet was something that I, get, I think two years ago was a whole new thing for me not really come across it before how would one go around choosing how choosing their provider for bonded internet and specking what they need for bonded internet. Mm -hmm. So it depends, of course, on your budget and your um, the quality and trust that you have in your primary internet connection. So if you're running a large hybrid event, internet is so crucial. If you have a really strong internet connection from your hotel and you can get it exclusive for you, then you may not even need bonded internet. But a lot of times you're gonna be sharing your in-person connection with other events, other people in the hotel. So you really want bonded internet. If you have the budget, you should go for something like a Teradec. Okay, this is the tried and true, top of the line type bonded internet. It's a little pricey though. So if you don't have the budget for that, then you could go with just a mobile a software type option such as Speedify, very, very affordable, and you can still merge multiple mobile connections as redundancy, as a backup for your hardwired Ethernet connection. And it saved us in multiple occasions, too. Sometimes you know, we had one occasion where there was a windstorm and the, and the power went out, and we were able to keep the stream going because of that bonded connection through via the phone. So it's, it is a really nice thing to have. There you go. This is going to be on everybody's Christmas and birthday wish list right now. It's going to be bonded internet connections. All the team's going to get one. I think that's a great tip. And that's what I hope, you know, many people come on the show just like you and give those little golden nuggets of kind of ideas and information, things that people haven't picked up before or thought about before and, and clearly can save them in a pinch when other technology or infrastructure um, lets them down. So that's a, that's a great tip, guys. Thank you very much for that. Um, before we get into the main conversation, I'd love to get a little bit of a personality quickfire round in with you. Right. Um, now, you're more than welcome to answer these questions together. You can have the same answer. You can have different answers. But there's just three main questions at the moment that I have got for my guests. Um, and the first one, Android or iOS? Mm. Android for both of us here. I've switched to to android because well i was i was with apple for a long time and no nothing against apple they're great but i just kept having computers break down so oh, wow. i switched and, and plus the the flexibility and i always like to android. customize and tinker with my gear right i think apple's great for Oh, I may offend people here. I think Apple's great for beginner <laughs> users who, you know, I mean, I'm sure there are pro ways to customize it, but Android just makes it so much easier to customize. I should, yeah, should but be careful. No, 
people on our team do use apple as well so anyway. i'm i love apple because of a unified ecosystem but i must admit i think when it comes to choice of hardware and being able to tinker and really push the boundaries i think of that hardware Android's definitely the choice, right? Because there's just you just the ecosystem so much more open, so much more um, flexible with what you want it to do. So I, th- I think they're fair fair options. You've not offended anybody. Well, maybe we'll see in the comments. <laughs> yeah, and last point there, Michelle and I are both designers, so of course, much appreciation and respect for the Apple approach and ecosystem. It's <laughs> something that Windows could learn from. Now. I might already know the answer to this question, and maybe the maybe, maybe but maybe we'll be surprised. Virtual or in person? Ooh, tricky one. Now this is um, one that divides. And there's there's obviously a place for it all, right? And and we love meeting in person, but our primary focus is virtual. Um, just the innovation in virtual right now is just so exciting for us. And we have such a tech background that we like diving in and pushing those edges. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, we both started with an in-person event organizing, workshop facilitation, music performance. You know, we love being in front of a crowd and helping others to become better presenters. Uh, So it's not like, it's sort of a trick question because it's really about mixing the two right uh, throughout the year. But in terms of our business, we specialize in making those online events as beautiful, large and interactive as possible. That's a very, very good diplomatic answer there. That <laughs> no, it is a, you, you are right, Daniel. It's, it is a bit of a trick question, right? Because it's, it's one that's divided many people over the last kind of two uh, two years but for myself you know virtual has been around much much longer than that the technology or the vast majority of the technology has been allowed a lot long longer than that and I honestly believe I think if you were to divide the two sectors up I think you will absolutely have more virtual events than you will have in-person events when it comes to the way that we engage customers and our team members and our you know the web the wide world so i think it's going definitely going to be the way that the vast majority of the events ecosystem goes especially if they're thinking about launching yeah we're big fans for sure as i'm sure we'll discuss more. <laughs> <laughs> one last question and this is a little bit more fun coffee or cocktails oh that's actually tricky i i but i would i would say coffee I, i'm a recent convert in the coffee world and have been having so much fun making the lattes in the morning with a little bit of chocolate syrup and whatnot. So coffee. Mm, I'm going to say tea. <laughs> Ooh. And as a, as a Brit, that's a great yeah. answer. <laughs> <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a preferred tea? Um, I would say Rubos is probably my favorite tea. Like, I've never heard of Rubos before. Oh, Red Bush tea. Like South, okay, Red Bush. Mostly okay. from South okay. Africa. God, yeah, fantastic. I think the danger that I know, especially from my wife, comes when you mix coffee and cocktails together. Mm. That's that's the dangerous bit. Yeah. Not that's when things get interesting. Right the, the espresso martinis start to come out and things get really, really interesting. Mm. Well, listen... I could chat to you about coffee, cocktails, Android, iOS, and virtual versus in-person all day long. Um, But I've come here to dig into your minds and hopefully pass on some real golden nuggets of information to our audience on how they can host more meaningful, inspiring events online. And I think we've, well, we were just chatting to this before we went on air. There's very much the term banded around of um, burnout, online burnout, Zoom burnout, Zoom fatigue, virtual event fatigue now becomes seems to be becoming a more um, phrase that I keep, keep hearing often and more often and often. Do you have any of your own thoughts around why terminology like that is starting to creep into our sector or people are using those terminology terms when referring to online or virtual events? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that you could look at it like, what are some of the mistakes that people make 
with online events that make them boring, that make them dry, um, and that make them less personal. So that would be things like not enough interactivity is planned in the event, not enough back and forth that people just default to presenting instead and talking to rather than talking with. I think that's the core problem. Uh, beyond that, problems like people reading off scripts think they can get away with with looking down at a piece of paper and, and you're seeing their forehead, uh, you know, all the internet problems of people dropping and not knowing how to have reliable internet. Mm, so I think in general, uh, it's it's a problem about how people were doing virtual events in an amateur way, uh, more than the, the the technology itself. Yeah, and on top of that, we've we've spent the last two years in a pandemic where mm -hmm. pretty much everything has been virtual. So it's understandable that we would get tired of looking at screens because we're not breaking it up with some of that in person interaction. So once people start meeting again in person, which we're, we're moving in that direction more so, then, then the virtual become, will become more of a luxury, I think, than a, than a thing that we have to do. Absolutely. What's your pet peeve when it comes to virtual events? I'm sure you attend virtual events as attendees yourself, maybe to scope out what everybody else is doing or, you know, maybe just to see the platform in action, things like that. But do you have like one major pet peeve that stands out that you wish that you, you could just make it disappear overnight? Yeah, because I even don't like this in in-person events <laughs> where there's a speaker up front and we have to watch the speaker for the entire time. And there's absolutely no way of interacting, no way of really engaging with other attendees and with that speaker. And I, I think it happens a lot in virtual where we think that we can present and talk at people. And then we're ignoring that there's actually an audience behind that screen that wants to take part in this and wants to like contribute to the greater discussion. So it's my greatest pet peeve when an event focuses almost entirely on that style of presentation instead of bringing the audience in. Hundred mm -hmm. percent. I I would just also say personally, I hate when people read off a script mm -hmm. and they don't add emotion. So it takes a skill. I'm not saying never use a, a telecaster, a, a teleprompter, but you have to bring emotion into the words when you read. Right? Do you care about what you're saying? Right? Emphasize your words. That would be my <laughs> solution to the teleprompter problem. And relax a little bit. You know, we're having yeah. fun. Like it's, you don't have to have every single word written out and look down like this <laughs> the entire time. Yeah, I, I've, I've fallen into that trap myself, you know, especially when I'm so used to speaking in person that you can see an audience, you can, you can get a vibe for the, you know, for the room, can't you? you can, there's a little bit of electricity, you get pumped, you get, you get amped up. And generally those nerves subside and you get into the rhythm and you just present and you, you know, you're looking at the audience, you're engaging with the audience visually with eye contact and everything kind of, kind of, you know, just rolls along really smoothly. I had that real bumpy road transitioning into speaking online um, because I just wasn't used to that environment, right? And I think a lot of speakers, when they do jump online, because they've not got that audience to feed back on, like I can see you guys now. I can see I'm, I'm looking at the. I, I need to. I need to start looking into the camera a lot more because I'm kind of looking at you up here and the cameras up here. So that's one of my pet peeves that I'm trying to get out of my out of my uh, of my habit. But you know, when you're not getting any feedback, I think that's one of the more challenging things, and maybe where some of yeah. those bad habits kind of creep in. Right, you start to read from a script because you don't want to miss anything. And you just want to get through it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's what I've experienced from from that side of things. Uh -huh. Quick tech tip on that one. If you're on Zoom, definitely minimize Zoom, drag the video right under your webcam. So you're looking at the person's face of whoever's talking, but it looks almost the same as if you're looking right in the camera. Can't do that on every platform, but try to arrange your browsers so that whatever you're looking at is right under the webcam. Yeah, it's a simple tip for everyone there. And then I've got a presenter tip too. Um, you know, around this problem of 
missing the in-person audience, right? It's a visualization idea that before you go into an online talk, close your eyes and pretend that the audience is right here in the room with you and feel them, right? Feel, ask yourself, what would I want the audience to feel when I'm talking, right? What do I want them to come away with? How would I talk right now if there were 300 people in an auditorium? And don't default to just, uh, you know, a one-on-one -on -one style the whole time. You can be like, anyway, talk to them. Imagine that they can talk back to you. And if you can, ask them to chat with you and you'll feel that in the room experience coming through. I think that's some, I think that's some great advice. Just having to think about what you were saying before about not engaging the, the audience that's kind of sitting there online and want to engage. Like, what's your top tips for anybody out there? Because there's, there's almost a couple of different places now that audience can engage with an online event, right? There's there tends to be event chat, then there tends to be maybe questions and polling. And that's not to forget also the presenter speakers or people that are actually delivering the content, you know, engaging verbally with the audience and, and trying to look. So what's, what do you, what's that perfect mix, do you think, or where do you tend to focus um, the engagement call or the technology that, that wraps around the platform? Yeah, I think chat gets lost a lot in the in the speaker environment. And if you are using tools that have chat, just calling on the audience to answer questions and to put in their key takeaways or even whatever they're feeling right now, one word that expresses how they're feeling. And if you're on a, a larger like Zoom meeting, for example, or you're able to see people's faces, encouraging people to be on camera so that you can see everyone and interact with them, and even having them unmute sometimes. It's it's not against the rules to say, everyone unmute, let's cheer for this person, or let's like shout out, give them a shout out, you know, maybe even try to sing happy birthday or something, you know, like that. Like be creative and sometimes it'll bomb. And and that's okay too, you know, it's like we all know that we are experimenting together with this. Mm -hmm. So keep it engaging and have fun with it. Those are some amazing tips for what we call, you know, interactive sessions. When you're, let's say, in Zoom meeting and you're, you're able to have people on gallery view and unmute, most people aren't even attempting that, right? Any of that type of stuff. They're just doing Q&A at the end of a presentation style session. Mm -hmm. uh, so... If you're in a, a presentation style session and you can't go full on interactive like that, which is ideal for some types of content, but not for all, you can still ask for the chat. Some of the tips like Michelle was saying, if, you, if, you, if they can't unmute, they can't go on gallery view, still ask them for what was your biggest challenge with this issue? I'd love to see it in the chat. Tell me right now. And then read their answers back to them. The audience loves in that real-time communication. Hey, that was that's what I typed in, right? And they actually know you're live. <laughs> they know that you care about what they say. It's a great way to bring the voice of the audience in is by reading off those chats and asking throughout your session. Give me a plus one if you feel what that presenter just shared. That type of thing goes a long way. Absolutely. I think one of the things that has struck me that's kind of missing um but some platforms do it and other platforms don't and i'm going to take Streamyard or or evimux that we're using right now when you when you push out live to the well-known platforms well-known social platforms they're already integrated with those platforms and they bring those comments in from facebook linkedin all of the others and as a producer, as a host, as an event designer, you can actually bring those comments on screen and actually give kudos to the people that are actually engaging with you, right? And I always find that when we do that for the Event Tech Talk Show or anything else that we push out on social media platforms, that really ramps up the engagement because all of a sudden people can see others getting some limelight and that encourages people to also engage. But it seems at the moment um, that a lot of the virtual platforms, event platforms, don't actually do that when it comes to that ecosystem mm -hmm. of that contained environment, right? Yeah. Do you do you have you come across that? Or have you come across any platform that's kind of engaging with the virtual or integrating, should I say, with the virtual uh, with the streaming technology and pulling those comments on screen? Not as much as we would like. Uh, I agree. Streamyard is the go-to tool for that, and also restream. 
Um, and we do use those tools when we want that type of interactivity. Uh, one fun example, how we use that in a virtual fundraiser for Story of Stuff. They were doing a water rights fundraiser event with six different groups. And we did this, what they called a reversed fundraiser, where people put in pledges first, and then they donated later. And we, every time somebody pledged, they would pledge on social and Facebook or YouTube live because we're multi-streaming and we showed every pledge on screen and thanked them in real time for those. And that just builds up so much excitement, right? You see the amounts, you see a live total. I think that's a great option. And you can stream from there through RTMP into any platform, but yeah, you're missing a lot of the, the most of the platforms don't have that thing where the people who've logged into the platform can can be seen online. So we can, we've, we've hacked it a little bit. Yeah, though. we've hacked it. We can kind of manually get around it using, say, for example, a PowerPoint presentation where we'll add up those totals and we'll just manually type it in. Or if somebody says something, we can type the, that comment or paste it in there and then we'll show it on screen. So it's not as automatic, but it does it does its job. I love that. I think I think the entire industry has been hacking for the last kind of two years, yeah. right? Like making the yeah. best of the situation. I almost feel like most of us have been roadmapping and development for a lot of these platforms and giving feedback oh, yeah. of what needs to work. Since day it. one, we've been giving tips to multiple platforms <laughs> and what we want to see. And it's fun when they launch features that we recommend. They've come a long way too, because they were really buggy <laughs> in the beginning. So I, I've said this for a while, you know, as an industry, we were very much focused on, you know, trying to restart in-person events, right? And for many, obviously, virtual was possibly um, a short kind of stopgap or they, weren't, they didn't think it was going to be a long part of the process in their event strategy. I actually think the silver lining to the length of the pandemic has actually given us as an industry an opportunity to rethink and reset and kind of open up our scope of like what can we do with events and what's what's right for one event and what's right for the other event what sits very well as just a pure play virtual event what sits well as just a pure play in-person event um but in the short that short space of time because there's been so many you're right the platforms have had to play catch up let's say they've had to upscale themselves i was talking to one um just the other week i won't mention who it is but pre-pandemic they were like 16 people they're now 400 and I think that just shows the scale in, and the speed of scale in which some of these platforms have had to kind of onboard new team members to support new developments and customer service and support and all that kind of stuff so yeah I'm hopefully it will get much better um over the next uh, over the next 12 months I'm sure it will I've got just to move away from some of the more techie questions for a second. Um, one of the great great things now about technology being so accessible for us as, a, as a event profs within the industry and also anybody else who doesn't see themselves as an event organizer or an event mm -hmm. professional but just wants to deliver a virtual event, they can go off and people can get technology now. But how do we... What's your top advice or what's your tips to making sure that we are not just churning out another virtual event after another virtual event just as a kind of a marketing crutch? Yeah. And how do we make sure that what we are delivering is meaningful to the mm -hmm. audience that we're trying to we're trying to reach? Yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's mainly about community, right? We're, we're bringing people together in order to either strengthen your brand or your cause, what it, whatever your goals are, that's really should be the main focus. And I think that one of the common things is that people tend to pack their events full of activities or, or presentations and don't leave enough space for that community to really develop. And for people to get to know each other and to, to really utilize the networking tools for what they are and for bringing in icebreakers and other ways of getting people engaged, especially through virtual, because you can do it more often. So when you think about it, the people that are ambassadors for your brand, you get them together more often in an easier way. It's just going to keep building whatever goal it is that you're working to accomplish. I think that's a, I think that's a great piece of advice it's definitely how we design these experiences right I think the 
the problem or the the danger is that we feel that we can do lots of lots of different things all at the same time because it's all happening online right um mm-hmm. whereas in in-person events we might have had one room and we have to turn that over we have to think about how we're utilizing that space what comes next how we break it up how we give people comfort breaks and time to network and chat but online it's like well it's unlimited isn't it you could have seven stages of content plus networking plus that out breakouts plus one-to-one meetings happening all all literally at the same time but i think what you're saying there daniel michelle is that we really still need to think about like the journey of the mm-hmm. attendee all the way through, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's a less is more approach. And you know, to your point earlier about Zoom fatigue, bringing less to the to the table it gives people breaks, lets them stand up from the screen and go take a little walk. And I, I think that maybe event organizers with virtual are afraid that people won't come back if they leave. But maybe they're going to check out if they stay. <laughs> yeah, we do a lot of multi-stage conferences. And it's probably the main type of client that comes to us is, is doing a full-scale conference. Um, we do a lot of webinars and fundraisers as well. But um, with the conferences, I don't think it's a problem to have multiple stages and pack stuff back to back. Because people are mature. They know how to take breaks when they need them take a lunch break. Most attendees aren't just watching everything you put at them anyways, right? So don't be afraid to have multiple forms of content simultaneously. That appeals to different types of audiences. And that's, I think, one of the appeals of the in-person, of of the virtual event, similar to an in-person conference, give people plenty of options to choose from. But also, like we keep saying, think about the ratio, presentation style content to interactive content that you want to have, that your attendees really would prefer, and then compare that to what you've been doing. And it's probably a lot more interactive that people actually want, Um, especially if your audience would consider themselves experts, right? When you have people coming to your conference who like in an association or in any sort of global network of, of professionals, they have something to contribute. And sure, they're coming there to learn, but uh, if you give them opportunities to, to speak, to be seen, uh, they, they feel more purpose in that event. They feel more connected to, to you and the organization. So really strategizing in advance, how can we pull on the wisdom of our crowd, of our audience and crowdsource innovation? So we've put a lot of thought into skillful breakout facilitation and strategies to pull on knowledge, make sure it's utilized, encourage people to be vulnerable and generous and have clear objectives. When you do all these types of things, your breakouts can be magical. They can be favorite portions of events and people really come to life rather than a little awkward or maybe people skip them or (laughs) something it makes a big difference how you plan them out yeah I can totally I can totally see how that would make a big difference one of one of the areas that um, a lot of the industry is struggling with is now how to how to actually quantify engagement when it comes to online events because I think it means different things to different people right Um, there's an argument that just because somebody doesn't ask a question jump into a breakout room or chat to another attendee that they're any less engaged with an attendee that does all of those things because Mm -hmm. hey maybe they're just one of those people that just likes to jump in watch the content keep themselves to themselves Mm -hmm. and they're super happy they they, they've got what exactly what they want for the event but some would argue that they're less engaged because they're not interacting like how do you work with your clients or is there is there Mm -hmm. some type of formula that you come up with like hey this is how we quantify that your attendees have been engaged throughout your event Yeah, there's two types of of data that we look at. There's the automatic data of how many sessions did people attend? First of all, how many attendees even showed up, right? What's your show up rate of registrations to attendance? Then how many sessions did people on average attend out of your conference? Uh, And how long did they watch, right? So all that data is automatically calculated. And were they chatting? Did they post on like a live feed, social type channel um how much how much were they really engaging with all of the different features within the platform Mm -hmm. and then the survey type data right what level um 
how much did people enjoy the platform, the content, the networking, the speakers, all of those things? That... Yeah, but then I think that there's also the other element to it because there's a lot of tech features that we're looking at, but we're also looking at the people and the ways in which they're having conversations with each other, the vulnerability that's coming to the table, are they sharing in those breakouts? And, and if they are, like, can we take away some real data from those breakouts? And, and we really work with bringing the tools into those breakouts, whether it's a, a Google Doc or, or some other form of, you know, Miro, whiteboard interactivity, but taking all of that documentation at the very end of the event and, and aggregating it so that the client has something to walk away with. Mm -hmm. And uh, coming back to the, the attendance point, I think that's one that we really focus on a lot, right? Because Michelle and I both have a background of digital marketing. Uh, we really help our clients strategize how do you drive registrations and attendance? Because those are some of the core benefits of a virtual event. If you're going to put on an event and you're not a virtual event and you're not going to take advantage of activating speakers and sponsors, of retargeting ads, if those are appropriate, of your different email lists, you're really missing a huge opportunity to, to get a global audience or a national audience. And, and when we do see that happen, we've, had, we've helped our clients get 3x, 5x, even 7x attendance versus their in-person events, reach over 100 countries. Uh, expand their event from two to six languages, uh, then you're taking full advantage of virtual and the data is really obvious, right? They're thrilled when, oh, we 5X'd not only our registrations, but our attendance. Like It's obvious that was a win. Yeah. And part of that is just starting early enough to be able to incorporate all of those things. Because it's easy to think, well, it's virtual. We can pull this together really quickly. But if you think about it as a few months out, then, then you'll have that time to really put attention into your promotion. Yeah, I do agree with you, uh, Michelle. There's, there's definitely the ability to spin up events quickly, but I, I, would, I would really call them more like they're live streams, they're webinars, aren't they? They're, they're on the, you know, we've, we've got some content to push out. We don't need a huge registration drive. We've maybe just got one attendee persona in mind and we're going to very much craft that around them. But if you're thinking about an event on the other hand of the scale, for me, is much more complex than that. It's got much more depth. It's probably got five or six different personas, five or six different objectives from those attendees coming along. So we need to think about the way that we're putting those together a lot, a lot better. I really love the point about um, the fact that you're coming from it from a from a marketing perspective and you've seen all of the additional benefits or additional bandwidth that you can get out of a virtual event. Really interesting um, when you mentioned about uh, languages because um, I was working with a company called Wordly the other day and apparently statistics show that only 6% of the entire world actually comes with, uh, is born with English as a first language. Everybody else adopts it as a second language so they end up being bilingual. They translate into 22 languages, which just, and that's not even, that's not even touching the tip of the iceberg. So that just, to me, shows how many more people we can reach with virtual events if we do something simple like translate it right, how much wider we can cast the net in terms of our marketing scope or the way that we engage or how we can build our community even bigger. I just yeah. get so excited, you know, when I think <laughs> about this and how many events we've had where we've had over 100 countries involved and, and so many people that can come to the table to have conversations that weren't able to even attend the event previously. Yeah. So it actually gives me chills. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it has been really exciting. We were really honored to get to work like on one event with two UN agencies that were sponsoring it in five languages. Um, and for that, we helped our event platform integrate platform translation into dozens of languages, as well as incorporate the AI, um, well, human interpretation and AI captioning. We have so many options now available to make those multilingual events so accessible. And it's one thing that we're really happy about. They actually used to fly interpreters out of, from, beyond, from one country to another for their event because they have certain standards. So major, major cost savings, mm. of course, is the other big benefit besides reach. And I think that's 
um, even larger, even more, more noticeable in an international event when you have a global audience. Nobody's going to, nowhere near as many people are going to fly across the, the ocean to come to your event. But when they just have to click, you can now, that, that was like one of those events that got 5x reach. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think what's also, you know, if, you, if you're running a hybrid event, to not have a virtual component at it kind of takes out a huge amount of your marketing as I see it for the following year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to use Glastonbury here in the UK as an example of like its popularity has risen to a great degree because of the televisation that it gets from the BBC and things like that, right? So it gets broadcast all around the world. People can see this mega event where all these famous people go. And then they kind of mark it on the calendar for the following year. Like, right, that's a, that's where I want to go. I want to be at that event in person. Mm-hmm. Even though they can listen to all of the stages from home and they can flick through the different stages and they can get an unparalleled experience at home, they utilize that, the, the broadcasting of that to attract that audience in the following year. And I think as event professionals, that's one of the biggest benefits about running a virtual or digital element to any in-person event you're actually live marketing to an audience for the following year and hopefully mm-hmm. maybe they will jump on a plane um and come across um if it makes sense from a sustainability perspective i, I agree and you get to preview all, what that live event is like and start to think about where you would go at the event who would you want to talk to and that's something nice about the virtual platforms as well because we use algorithms to match people up based on their interests. And so you can see, like if you're going to a conference in person, then you can actually pick out the people ahead of time that you would like to meet at that conference. So we also do pre-events to, and and that can be to a hybrid event. So we could do a virtual pre-event that allows people to find those people ahead of time. So it saves them time when they get to the actual event. So you could do a networking day, two weeks out from the actual content and give people mm-hmm. the opportunity to meet maybe in the middle and connect mm-hmm. up and then you know just focus on the on the actual sessions when it comes to the live event then yeah mm-hmm. and it deepens the conversation too when it comes to the live event because you've already kind of broken the ice so now you can take the next step in your conversation mm-hmm. and you could also use that as an in-person survey right so we're, instead of just a written survey, what would interest you most about this event? If you want to make it really meaningful, get them to help co-create the content in that pre-event. Talk, you know, brainstorming about the challenges that are faced in the industry, about the solutions. And then you're going to have so much more to provide to your presenters about knowing what's juicy. It's like a focus group before your event. That can make it uh, a lot more juicy there for those in-person, uh, for, for the, the main event. Such valuable, like we do that with marketing content all the time, right? If you're if you're a smart copywriter, you have to get the words of your audience into your language. And so it's the same thing with events, getting what people want to hear about to your presenters so they're not just guessing. Well, and part of the reason why we really got into virtual way before the pandemic was that I was going to a lot of conferences. And I was getting tired of going to the conference, getting pumped up, meeting people, but then leaving. And after a couple of weeks, that excitement and those connections started to kind of like taper off. And so with virtual, we have this opportunity of bringing that conversation back around in an easier way and just keep people talking, keep people, keep driving people toward that call to action. And and it, it just if we think about it more of like the entire year of events now and how do they all link together in order to achieve their goals? Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about the future and I know it might, it's really hard to see what's around the corner. I think that's one thing we have definitely learned over the last couple of years. We can't, we can't bet on what tomorrow will bring, but what do you think, virtual events will look like in the next five years and that to me is a huge amount of time that's that's like I don't know (laughs) Facebook could have taken everybody over everybody's minds and we're all living in a virtual reality anyway but like where do you think I guess let me let me ask you slightly different what role do you think virtual events will play and will they look any different to what they do now 
in the mm. next in five years time. Ooh, my mind is just exploding over here thinking five years into the future. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I could imagine that, that virtual reality is going to be a lot more prevalent and people will have virtual sets at home. It'll be easy for them to just jump on and feel like they're in person and engage as if they're in person. And that could be really fun. Like you feel like you're actually at the at the conference or at the concert. And we already have that, of course. But I, I think that because more people will have it, we can be much more creative. Hmm. I'm going to go with um, what I consider one of my personal superpowers is uh, I'm a synthesizer. Okay. I love to pull together ideas, tools, right? We all, we're the tech geeks with a tool for every challenge. Some of our partners call us Batman. So it's like, <laughs> I'm thinking about that for content with, with events. Um, we are really passionate about, what we sometimes call fusion coalitions, right? The future of, of major solutions. Our name is William Goliath for a reason, right? We want to, we want to one, be people's secret weapon because not everybody has the tools, strategies, techniques to pull off virtual events, right? The promotion, the quality production, all of that. So we just want to help you succeed. But the next level is bringing together communities to take on giant challenges climate change and all of the biggest problems that the world is facing is going to take the best out of all of us. So if I'm thinking five years into the future of virtual events, may, whether or not we're in some metaverse, we need to be able to pull on proven solutions, uh, past content, right? Like databases of knowledge at our fingertips of research and solutions and partnerships and, and, pulling together teams. So one event's collaborating with another event and we, we can easily pull on um, hundreds of potential partners to co-create solutions um, to make sure that they're driving forward to promote things bigger and make sure that we're utilizing our time to the fullest because we only have eight years left to solve, prevent the worst possible solutions of climate change, right? It's gonna take the best of all of us and data um, you know, AI, blockchain, all of that has to be, have a heart as the background of that, right? Let's drive technology to solve these problems, not just to make a profit. I like that. And any form of innovation that we're coming up with, I could see us being able to put that in our database so that when we plug into the event, maybe we're seeing a group of people gathering and we're seeing the, the people that we should meet and we can walk right over to them and talk to them easily, like a little glowing thing might appear above their head or something that that would allow us to kind of aggregate our information together and, and carry on that conversation. I, I love the idea that virtual the role that virtual events will play is to bring more people together more often to talk about and problem solve real problems that the world or us as a society is, is facing, right? Because it's interesting, we, we've never been more connected through social media, but that also has brought up a huge and tremendous amount of problems because it's also very siloed or very, you're not actually physically connected in, in meaningful ways generally through social media platforms. It's just... I'm either going to post something or I'm going to consume something. The discussion around topics, the conversation, the problem solving is often left out of that. Yeah. And I think events, like you said, um, Daniel, events could be a great platform or virtual events can be a great platform to kind of tackle those challenges head on. Yeah. What if we used technology to give millions of people or hopefully billions of people more ability to create an impact in the world? That would be the most exciting future for technology that I can envision. I, you know, we all have heard these stats about loneliness, mental health problems that have been exacerbated throughout the pandemic, depression and suicide. These were already epidemics and they're getting worse. Mm -hmm. I think personally, a big part of, of this depression, that um, epidemic, is people don't feel a sense of hope and purpose, right? Especially if they're not getting fulfillment in their career, but there's so many different reasons for that. And so hopefully technology will bring us together and create space for everyone to contribute, pulling on the wisdom of a crowd. It takes skillful facilitation, but hopefully the future of tech will make that magnified, right? 
Yeah, and those events could be asynchronous so that people around the world can join at any point and contribute knowledge at any point. So it becomes this living, breathing, organic thing. Maybe the next mega social network will be a solution-focused network, even. Sounds like Wikipedia 3.0 to me. Yes. That's where we're like, everybody's collaborating, bringing information together, but maybe it's the evolution of that, so it's a more meaningful, connected Mm-hmm. personal um insightful hey listen i totally got the title of this podcast in that in the answer just like that <laughs> i i do think i do think you're right on the money i think there's such a a huge amount of headspace and um what's the word i'm looking for possibility when it comes to virtual events i often i hope that we see virtual events kind of less of a term and it's more of a way that we interact with the world and the, and the wider world around us in terms of out sharing our own expressions, but also gleaning information and knowledge from mm-hmm. people all around the globe. Yeah. So we're already doing that for some like charity type organizations, cause type organizations in their virtual events. We're taking action in workshops. It's not just learning, right? Maybe there is a, a session where you learn how to write letters to the editor, another one where you write postcards to your senators and you make phone calls. And then we had a phone banking session for a 2 million member organization in their uh, virtual, their first ever virtual activist summit. And they loved it. We did it the second year. So giving people ways to take action, to contribute, as well as to discuss is super important. Absolutely. I've got, I'm, I'm conscious of time, but I've got a couple more questions for you. Biggest challenge facing the industry right now when it comes to producing virtual events? What do you think that is? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I mean, it really depends on your industry, your budgets, your goals. Uh, we're a very strategic organization. We don't cookie cutter solutions. So I don't think there is just a single challenge. Um, I think that it's about at least where the industry is right now um, and where, where our role as an agency is, is, is it's like understanding your goals, choosing the right tools, choosing the right content, making sure you have time for production. So I guess if you sum that up, I think it's that people aren't taking advantage of all the options to make a great event, to make it sing, because they think they can just show up and present. Mm-hmm. But people, if you have enough time, you plan out good promotion, you plan out strategic partnerships to amplify your content. You know what your audience wants and you, you give them that because you've asked them. You give them a chance to share. Then you have a meaningful, inspiring event like this, like this talk. It requires that talking with your audience, not just to. So I think that's our, our primary um, desire to see more of in the industry, that collaborative, solution-focused engagement. Michelle, do you agree? Do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, I would I would say very similar things. I, I think that there are some other challenges as far as tech goes because there's just so much variability in virtual. And if a speaker doesn't have a good internet connection, they can drop easily. And especially when you're dealing with people from around the world showing up, then you have even more problems that can come up. So that's one of the bigger challenges with, with going live virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's purely on that tech production side. Uh, the, the platforms need to evolve so that mm, you, can, you can make engaging visual content that is live and is interactive. Right now, we're usually doing really beautiful pre-produced sessions, and then we're doing simpler pr- production style, highly interactive. Mm-hmm. So the event, it's got to evolve so you can have both. I would so- also say that there's been a lot of bad virtual events that have given people a bad taste in their mouth about virtual events. So it's sort of shifting perspectives and helping people to see things a little differently and and see all the benefits. Yeah, not all virtual event platforms are built the same, right? Not all virtual events are designed in the same way. I think think the thing that I see the biggest challenge is who the role of producing is given to and I think that's all, almost how webinars got a really bad name, right? Because it became a sales kind of team thing. It became 
a way to a way to which push a really hard marketing message what i'm seeing is that organizations aren't giving individuals like yourself or agencies like yourself the business to be able to bring all of those skills and expertise in to deliver great virtual events those ones that are kind of a bit rough around the edges or a bit bad often given to people that maybe not even interested in technology as a start in starting point so they're not even engaged with the platform it's kind of like let's just get this out of the park how hard can it be and then that's where the bad stuff's produced rather than going we want to do this really really well let's invest in an agency or invest in somebody internally who wants to do this and allow and give them the freedom and the budget to do it as well yeah and if if you are going to hire an agency for a hybrid event and you want the virtual audience to not feel like second-class citizens make sure your agency aren't just audio video geeks but they understand technology online content interactivity and they're passionate about that side as well absolutely any final thoughts after from today's session anything you'd like to share with our listeners or viewers or as a final question where's the best place to connect it with you both if anybody wants to discuss their virtual event or maybe even their platform maybe they want you to advise on their platform as well yeah we do we do love advising on all those types of things so we offer free strategy sessions uh feel free to reach out to us if you're planning a virtual or a hybrid event and you can strategize with us uh, i think that we love that side of it if whether you want to talk about the platform your content your audience or your your uh, promotion you know there's a lot of creativity that can go into those things so both an offer and a tip you know get creative have fun with it don't forget uh you know the fun element that get people up and moving maybe bring in a comedian we've seen some events do that as their host and that was brilliant you know get people laughing and talking to each other and if you want help thinking through how to do that we'd love to talk with you so it's weandgoliath.com if you want to reach out for a strategy session Perfect. Guys, thank you very much for coming on and talking to us at the Event Tech Talk Show. For anybody listening, tuning in on demand or watching the video, please do reach out to Daniel and Michelle about your virtual events. And please give the this episode a like and a share so that others in your network can also benefit from the golden nuggets that were shared today. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks so much, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. No, thank you for your time. <laughs>